Hello, everybody. My name is Steve Nadell, and I am a partner in the Investment Management Group at Seward & Kissel. And I'm very excited to introduce our new podcast series. Today is the first episode of our podcast called Fundraising Focus, where we talk to different people who are intimately involved in the capital raising environment uh, for the investment management community. So today, I am extremely honored to bring in our first ever guest, uh, the one and only Lior Shapiro, who I happen to know for, I guess, around 15 years. Uh, Lior is the global head of capital intelligence at Jefferies. So I'd like to bring him in and uh, maybe Lior, you could first tell us a little bit about what your role is and what, what Jefferies does in this space. And then we could get into the rest of the uh, segment. Yeah, so, so thanks, Steve. Thanks, Stuart and Kissel for, uh, for having me on, on the podcast. We, um, uh, you know, I, I run a team at Jefferies. We call it capital intelligence. Really, that, that encompasses the, the traditional capital introductions, really the facilitation of uh, supply and demand between allocators and, and managers and, and, and obviously connecting those dots. Uh, we have a hedge fund consulting arm, which is, which is there to, to launch, grow, and, and institutionalize hedge fund businesses. Um, and then we have our strategic content efforts, and, and that effort is really uh, a thematic research and advisory driven product. We have our own podcast, we have our own website, we publish a lot of research pieces, it's all proprietary work that we're doing, uh, two people on the team dedicated to that, and so that is really a, a three-pronged approach a value-added service embedded within the, the, the equities division that sits within, within our, our PB business. Fantastic. So, so let's get right into it. Um, obviously, everybody's interested in what you're seeing. So my first question is, who is being successful now in the alternative space in terms of raising money? What are, what are the hot areas? So, so look, I, I think, I think it's, this is going to be a, a positive tone I'm, I'm setting here. But, but really, for the first time in five years, I just saw HFR's numbers uh, yesterday. Uh, there's a lot of different parts of the hedge fund business that are raising money uh, across strategies and, and regions. Uh, the best flows since the first quarter of, of 2015, the best first quarter performance since, since 2000, if you can believe that, 20 years ago, 21 years ago. Um, I think on the equity side of the business, we're seeing more and more allocators look at hedge funds uh, as, as a way almost to... Um, uh, as a fixed income replacement in some ways. They, they want equity exposure. It's a zero rate environment. Uh, so, so they think it can get, you know, that, that sort of exposure with, with a lot less risk. And so we're seeing that. We're seeing and have seen this very consistently through the years, a lot of the larger managers um, con con continuing, frankly, to, to, to have momentum, to raise assets. They produce really good returns. You see that, especially in the multi-manager uh, multi space. Uh, a lot of these investors or managers are very referenceable. Um, so through other consultants, intermediaries, other investors, it, it, you can do diligence without necessarily being able to go on site. And, and we think that the, and see, frankly, a lot of those groups continuing to do very well. Also uh, very institutional, not a lot of business risk um, to be had if you're investing in those types of managers. I would say really over the last two years and, and certainly in the last year, Asia continues to be in demand, we see a lot of investors poking around in, in the region. And so that continues. Um, we get a lot of questions on it. Who's launching, who's doing what. Uh, we spent a lot more time in Asia. Our firm has invested a lot, uh, frankly, over the last year or two in, into Asia. So 
so I, I would say those are some some key areas. I think we looked at some data uh, ahead of this call. Um, Fifty percent of the allocations that we were tracking, um, many of which were, were sort of our introductions, so we know that they took place, uh, were into healthcare uh, types of managers. So again, dispersion in that space, the expertise needed to 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 know your way around the landscape, especially if it's biotech therapeutics, but but even in services and and devices, a lot of interest in healthcare, uh, tech and consumer um, was probably like the next sort of 30%, if, if half of what we saw was healthcare, the next 30% was probably consumer and tech. Um, and really almost two thirds of the allocations we saw went into to new managers. And I think we'll talk more about emerging managers, but that 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 continues, you know, there, there is traction in the new launch space and, and we'll get to that in a second. Now, you mentioned healthcare. Now, Jeffries is clearly extremely well known in, in the healthcare space with research and all that. And one thing that we've seen at Suvarn and Kissel is a lot of the managers who we represent in the healthcare space, they are now offering up other products beyond just sort of traditional long, short, publicly traded equity. Some of them are getting into privates through SPVs, side pockets. Are, are, are you seeing more of that? Are you being asked to provide support in that regard as well? Yeah, I think th this business has evolved, right? Hedge funds launching privates, co-investments, side pockets. Um, and by the way, a lot of, a lot of the co-investments, they, they could be public or private. It really depends. Um, healthcare royalties. We're, we're seeing a little bit of everything. So, so yes, I think short answer to your question is we, yes, we've had to adapt. Um, we have had to broaden our knowledge of who to speak to at which allocators. Um, sometimes you talk to the public's team, sometimes you need to talk to the private's team, but we, we have definitely evolved in that sense. Healthcare in particular, um, is one of those areas. I, I would I would add like TMT as another place where we're seeing a lot of um, sure. a lot of managers investing in, the, in these types of you know private uh, or VC even types of of, uh, of investments. FinTech, I would tell you, like it kind of falls between financials, tech, consumer, a lot of different areas. Uh, that's another one we continue to see it. That I would say is much more geared towards the private side less so on the public side um, when we see some of these these types of offerings from from our managers. Do you see a little bit of a pivot obviously with um, the emergence a bit from the from the pandemic and with um, President Biden wanting to support infrastructure are you seeing a little bit of a move into other more sort of basic industry sectors and things like that and, and perhaps a little bit away from the more Nasdaq type tech and healthcare stuff? Yeah, so, so some interesting launches in that space. I, I would say um, some real estate related types of um, uh, launches that we've worked with. I, I would say travel, leisure, gaming, hotels, um, business services, to your point. Like, so, so, you know, some cyclical bend to it. Uh, and the other thing I would, I would probably throw out there is, um, you know, I, I think, I think energy has popped up a little bit more recently where it was, it was, um, it was really quiet in that space for a long time. A lot of investors probably hadn't had some great experience with some other energy managers. Um, so a little bit more in the energy space of late also, but, you know, and, and then, you know, look, generalists, you know, I think we're seeing, we've seen some really interesting generalist types of managers that can move across sectors and regions um, yeah. have come across lately out of some big name firms. And, and we, we spent a lot of time in that space as well. Fantastic. Now, Lior, earlier you mentioned emerging managers. So we had recently released our allocator survey. And what we found is that 
80% of the allocators are willing to allocate to emerging managers, which are we had defined as sort of two years or younger you know, from, from when they were started. And I'm just wondering, last year when the pandemic first started, uh, we clearly saw a situation where I think there was a, a huge advantage for the larger, more established managers because they had the relationships, they knew the allocators. But I think as the uh, pandemic progressed longer and longer, I think we were seeing more and more allocators. I don't know if it's all of them, but a lot of them started to get more comfortable with alternative approaches to the traditional due diligence in-person meeting. So we were seeing Zoom meetings, um, recordings, you know, offices, office virtual visits, and then sort of relying on references from other allocators. And I'm just wondering, is that consistent? What, you know, what were you seeing? Does that trend sort of make sense to you? Yeah, I think you're spot on. I, I think, again, I think many of, of the higher quality new launches are, are very easily referenceable, I would say. I, I, would, I would say also that um, even without the ability to go on site, a lot of these, a lot of these managers, given, given their pedigree, given the fact that they're referenceable, they have differentiated stories. Many of them were portfolio managers in their prior shops. Uh, and frankly, faced off to many investors, like the pipeline for new launches has, has been incredibly robust. Um, a lot of high quality stuff has launched, you know, already this year, kind of year to date. Um, it, it's a new generation in many ways that learn from, from the last generation of really talented. So like people coming out of the Vikings of the world, the third points of the world, re really, really high quality, best in class types of um, uh, of hedge funds that are that are kind of going off on their own, and so, yeah, I, I think they, you know, if, if you're an investor and you can get into a manager with that sort of quality and a founders type of shared class seat arrangement, whatever it is, um, you're getting really talented people at a good price. You know, we're seeing the money flow, and and it's it's been a good year for new launches, or a good probably since last summer in many ways, um, really good traction in, in that space. Agreed. Um, just curious, what are you seeing? Certainly, I think there's a bit of a disadvantage for emerging managers or newer managers versus the more veteran managers. What are you seeing managers give to potential allocators to sort of entice them to come into the fund in terms of whether it's fees, liquidity, other structures? Just curious, what have you uh, observed? I think I think it's general alignment of interest. You know, I think I think we're in an age, and we wrote about this a couple of years ago. But like, we're in an age of customization. You know, I think whether it's through the co-investments or the main share classes or SMAs, um, which we can talk about, we're in an age of customization where the alignment of interest between manager and investor uh, has only improved. the The investors are getting the liquidity that they need. Some of the managed account providers, frankly, are really thoughtful and, and they might be leveraging, you know, some of the accounts on their side, but they're getting transparency and they're, and they're, and they're able to generate the returns in a customized way that, that they need. So I think, I, I, I think, yes, founder share classes continue. It is very rare to see a new launch that doesn't have some sort of multi-share class structure. Uh, I'm a big fan of share class construction. I spent a lot of my time talking about it with our, with our new launches. I think it's the fairest and most equitable way. I think it gets you away from side letters and some of the complications that can come with that. Um, if it's in, if it's if it's two or three share classes, it's in the prospectus. The lawyers write it up. You, it's there for everyone to see, and you can select where you want to go. And and 
Um, and if you give people optionality around that and, and they're interested in the strategy, you can, you can typically find a way. And so, yeah, I, I think it all comes back to the alignment question, but, but yeah, it, we see managers giving up what they need to give up within reason in order to incentivize people to come in. And that that's, that's been consistent for a long time, but um, you know, I, I, I don't spend much time talking about fee compression anymore and things like that. I, I think it's, it's about matching investors uh, and managers and, and finding the middle ground. And, and typically it's done where there's, where there's interest from both sides. Makes sense. I have, Two final questions, and these weren't on our notes, so um, I'm going to throw you maybe a little bit for a loop. So the first question is, you know, you, you see so many new launches. What's the sort of most common mistake that you see new launches do that you think can pe be pretty easily avoided? I, I say I get that question a lot. It's the right question. I'm surprised more people don't don't ask it in some ways. I, I think too many managers try to over-engineer their businesses. I, I think this concept of build it and they will come is not uh, a very good concept. I think it's a concept for a few managers per year um, where they know that they are going to be a multi-billion dollar fund in the near future and they can have 15 or 20 people on day one. And, you know, but, but, you know, if there's four or 500 launches a year, uh, that's less than five. Right. And so I think, I think people try to over-engineer their businesses, too much infrastructure, too many people, you end up potentially with human capital issues if if maybe performance doesn't go the way you want it that can that can put a lot of stress on the cio and founder right if, if they're they're worried about you know retaining their people paying their people they're taking too much risk or too little risk based on like psychological issues that are going on in their head and they're sort of the ceo of this new enterprise that they're trying to run that that's not easy you know and i think that the mental stress and, and fatigue can 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 affect people's ability to perform and so i, I think i think over engineering your business and over complicating it can can lead to a lot of issues down the road you you can you can easily outsource various functions these days very institutionally um because of how robust the outsourcing market is or, or the various vendors that service hedge funds are um, and still have a very effective and institutional business that will get you through throughout the, you know, the operational due diligence process. And, and that's something we, we, we really believe in. Um, uh, and, and also where I see some people kind of not make the right decisions. So, so that would be my answer to, to that question. No, that's a good answer. I would, my, if, if somebody was asking me the question, the only other thing I would say is I see many managers who really do not uh, sort of rehearse their presentation enough. And you often have only one bite at the apple, especially with some of these bigger managers. And a lot of these managers, while they may be very talented at making money, they're not necessarily quite as talented sort of going into a marketing pitch. So I think that's an important thing that they need to be doing. I, you know, Steve, I think, I think there are too many people that sit in seats like mine in the cap intro land, let's say that try to get managers in front of investors way too quickly in order to get some internal credit or whatever the hell it is. And they actually do a little bit of a disservice because they, they're mismanaging the message potentially to that allocator. And then the manager at the same time might not be ready um, or as well prepared as like to your point as they should be. And, and that can, like you said, you only get one chance to, to make that first impression. And if you get it wrong, not, you know, you're probably not getting the second chance. I agree. My last question. So besides the obvious of hiring Jeffries and Seward and Kissel, what other suggestions would you make to a manager starting a new business nowadays? 
uh, I would tell a manager, a CIO type who is starting their own fund to, to think like a COO for a period of time, get educated on all things business related. I'm not saying you have to be an expert in everything that a fund administrator will do for you as a third party, but certainly understanding like what their functionality is and how important that is, um, is the kind of step that I, I think managers need to take. I think some of them um, sort of rush to, 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 to get the business open without understanding the business side of things. And, and really some of the most successful and frankly, some of my favorite clients have, have been CIOs that have thought like COOs for a period of time. And then they know how to pivot back and start thinking about their portfolio and the, and the positions that they want to have in it and how they want to risk manage it and all, and all that stuff, which, you know, ultimately you got to perform to succeed. But, but yeah, I think, think like a COO for a period of time, really get educated, talk to people that have been through it, um, connect with your friends. You know, look, you get to meet with a few lawyers before you select them or before you select Steve, like, you know, have, have questions asked. That first meeting is, is, is about getting information, right? And, and asking the right questions. Like, do the same thing with me, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a resource. Uh, I'm an advisor to, to my launches. I've seen hundreds of them, like, you know, like, like you alluded to. And, and ultimately, like, you know, I get, my, my firm gets paid if these hedge funds launch and, and survive and, and raise capital. And that, that's why I'm here. So take us up on the offer and ask us questions and get educated. That, that, that's, that's probably my best advice. I, I agree. That's great advice. The other thing I would recommend also is, especially because typically the team is pretty small in the beginning, um, make sure you do a really thorough sort of background and reference check on all the key people you're hiring. Um, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've had issues where somebody, they found out that he had lied on his sort of credentials or, or it turns out he had sort of, he, he wasn't a good person in terms of dealing with outsiders or with the investors. So better, better check that all out in advance. You don't want to be firing your staff too early in the process. That would not be a good thing. Anyway, Lior, I want to thank you. That was super helpful. I, I appreciate your being the inaugural guest on the uh, Seward and Kissel Fundraising Focus. And I'd like to thank the audience members. And I hope you can join us in future editions of the Fundraising Focus. Thank you.